why don't we give the incredible creative team a hand and the incredible usher who carried the and they can take a seat they are amazing beautiful even and I love that All Blacks t-shirt and all the Kiwis said and all the Australians said who cares you do care well, a couple of little sound things this morning. You notice we've got a new stage? Yeah, we're in transition. Um, it's actually not more room. Someone says it's more room, but it's not. It's just an optical illusion. Do you believe me? <laughs> Looks good. To the person next to you say, you are incredible. Well, like I know we're going to do announcements later, but I'm going to get very excited. Tonight we've got our first um, PM service. We're going to start off with once a month. Come on, get excited. Oh, we try it again. Tonight we've got our first PM service called The Gathering. Yeah. It's fantastic. So it's going to be good. So it's at 5, I've got to get this time right, 5 30 p.m. And uh, so be here. Every one of you is invited. Um, we've got a guest speaker tonight. His name is Aaron Mendez. <laughs> Getting to know this young man. And uh, it's going to be good. It's going to be awesome. Everyone say awesome. And also, I've got to make mention of a beautiful person in the auditorium who today turns 50. And Russell Potts, come on, stand to your feet. Come on, Russ, Russ, Russ. Did anyone see him stand? No, he needs to stand. There he is. <laughs> Doesn't like the attention. He's got his brother here, Daryl, and his wife. They're a fantastic couple. But um, it's exciting, Russ. I remember turning 50 like it was yesterday. I'm 51. All those that are over 50, give me a wave. Look at the wisdom in the house. Incredible. Who was depressed when they turned 50? Anyone? <laughs> a few. No, the 50s are the new 20s. <laughs> this morning I'm going to talk on a topic which relates loving self. Love yourself. Wow. We live in a world where really, I guess, the concept of loving yourself is, uh, well, let's put it this way. It's prevalent, right? It's something that's, I think, in every corner of our society, advertising is banking on you, loving yourself. Um, the attitude, I guess, out there in the community now, really, that's pervading is that you are the most important person in your world. True. Look at that. There's my first slide. I'm going to start this morning by, by praying. God, we just thank you for your word. We thank you that your word, it divides what is true and what is not true. God, we thank you for your word more so now than ever, 
We need to know, God, what you say about us, what your heart for us is, the way you designed us. And God, I pray that your word today, God, would, as your word says about you, would not return void, but it would unlock and challenge and encourage us to live our lives honoring you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. It's quite a big to- a topic when we talk about loving ourselves because I actually do believe that we live in a time now where we truly are lovers of self. And the obvious is our Facebooks and all your social medias, they propagate this idea, they encourage and influence this idea of making your world seem the most important world ever. True? And I personally don't, I'm not a, I don't love social media. I know it's a necessary thing in this day in life for what you do, but I don't sit down at night scrolling through social media. Who does? There's quite a few people that do. You're not going to admit it, are you? There's a few. Um, but I think it's something that the enemy will use, God can use, the enemy can definitely use. But what does the Bible say about us, about ourselves? So I want to I jump into that because I actually think it's a quite an important topic and I want to lead this into some other topics that I think for us, as we gather in community, as we gather here, as we allow ourselves to grow in God, I think one of the biggest obstacles to us gathering and growing is ourselves. Would you agree? That we can actually, uh, I said this last week, it's, there's a pervading thought out there that if you could um, stay at home and just have a relationship with God, the only person that's perfect in that scenario is Christ. And, and there's a pervading thought out there where people, uh, they might get a little bit offended in church or hurt in church or discouraged with church or people within church. But the reality is, and so people want to stay at home and they want to sit and watch YouTube sermons and they want to be by themselves and and get the word by themselves. But the reality is, in, in that equation with you and Jesus in your own quiet time, there's no challenge there because the only imperfect person is you. But we're called together to be part of a community, to be discipled and to grow in God. Amen? Which means we need to gather together and we have to allow ourselves to be in, in a world where there might be someone, there just might be someone in this room that has the potential to offend you or hurt you or annoy you. And everyone looked straight ahead. So I think one of the things we need to look at is we need to look at this pervading thought that the world is, I think, trying to project on us, believers, lovers of God, lovers of Christ's church. I love... You see out there on, on posts, love God, love people. Last week I posted, love God, love people, love church. Amen? Actually, sometimes it's easy to love God. Love people, well, you can choose who you want to love. Everyone, you can choose your friends, but your family. But when you've got to love your church, I mean, Christ's church is 
Christ's idea, amen? He's the head of the church. And if it's, he, if it's his idea and he's the head of it, then I'm going to love it. Amen? That's what the idea is. And what does the Bible say about self and loving self? Mark chapter 12, verse 28 to 31 says, Then one of the scribes came and having heard them reasoning together, perceiving that they had answered them, well, asked him, which is the first commandment of all? Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second, like it, is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Leviticus 19.18, you shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the children of your God. This is the Old Testament people. But you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Matthew 19.19, honor your father. Say that again. Got a couple of kids in the room. Honor it was a good opportunity. Honor your father and your mother. And you shall love your neighbor as you. Some people in the church have grabbed this statement. Moment. I've actually heard someone speak a message that loving yourself is one of the commandments. Because it simply says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But that, Amen? Not a commandment. There's only two commandments. Love God, love your neighbor. It just uses the inference that we should love our neighbor as, and it actually, I guess, takes it for granted that we love him. Amen? But I want to talk into this topic because I think this is something that we need to get our heads around. And when we hear this term, um, loving yourself, the Bible's quite clear when it talks about, because it actually does say that. It says, loves your neighbor as yourself. So the Bible is talking about you having a love for yourself. Are you with me? There actually is a biblical preference for you having that. But we need to not not allow that biblical preference for loving yourself to be polluted from the world's idea of loving self. Because the world's idea of loving self is, doesn't include God's equation. It doesn't include neighbors. It doesn't include anything else. It just includes its agenda. Which I dare say is certainly not a godly agenda. The Bible actually warns against we could form in our believer's life for a believer in this place. Warns us against ourselves become the priest or the focus in our life. Let me just read a few scriptures to begin with. Romans chapter 2, verse 8 to 11. But to those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth,
person, also to the Greek, for there is no partiality. Romans 15 verse 1 to 2 says, And we then who are strong ought to bear with the scruples of the weak, not to please ourselves, that each one of us please his neighbor for his good, leading to edification, for even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproach, you fell on me. 1 Corinthians, you're getting some word this morning, are you okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 4, we should get some word every morning. Verse 6 to 7. Now these things, brethren, I have figuratively transferred to myself and Apollos for your sakes, that you may learn in us not to think beyond what is written, that none of you may be puffed up on behalf of or one against the other. For who makes you differ from another? And what do you have that you do not receive? Now if you did indeed receive it, why do you boast as if you have not received it? Some more Proverbs 18, verse 1. A man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. He rages against all wise judgment. The Bible's quite clear. It warns us. It warns us about allowing our lives to be self-absorbed and about ourselves and not about God and not about our neighbours and not about other aspects. Yet it also says that we should love ourselves. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 to 9 actually warns us, and uh, I was talking to someone this week about end times, and you know, end times can be quite a huge topic. But when you read 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 to 9, you actually, when you read that list, you know that we are in the last days. Now, I know I've heard preachers say that for I'm 51. I've probably heard that for at least 40 years, audibly, in my ears. But know this, it says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanders, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure, than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. A form such, and from such people turn away. For of this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women, loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Well, are we in those days? It's, that's the recipe, right? I think we, we would understand that most of us would understand we are in those days. So how do we navigate? How do we navigate in a world that's dragging us one way, dragging you to a place where really you are the most important person in your world? Come on. How do we navigate as believers how, how do we fight? How do we keep a, a good balance in our hearts and our souls and in our lives for, for ourselves, but also not allow this attitude to pervade in our lives where you can literally get to a place where you say, oh, the blessing of God is about me. I'm blessed for my blessing. 
where 90% of our prayer time is about ourselves and not about others. Come on. You are important. But I think we've got to make sure that in our hearts and in our minds and in our lives and, and how we raise our kids that there are distinctives to our world as believers that are very, very, very different to out there. Come on. We as believers, I truly believe, have a, a mandate on our lives that is so precious and so special. You have a purpose on your life that is wrapped around furthering the kingdom for others. Come on. And your life, the beauty of a life, but how do we balance that? Because the Bible says we are to love ourselves. And I want to, over the next few years, talk into that because there are some things that we need to do. I've grown up in some areas of the church, and we'll talk about it, where literally um, you, were, you weren't godly unless you were a martyr. You were the walking dead. You had no rights. The church owns you. Uh, the pastor owns you. The calling owns you. You had nothing. You were just gone to it. And is that healthy? Is that what the Bible says? I believe there's a way to love oneself without becoming self-focused. We're going to go to the Bible. Is that all right? Because I think we just live in a time right now. I think we, we've got to talk about these things. We've got to make sure that our worlds aren't invaded by the thinking of the world. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 to 4. You got your Bible? Who's got their Bible? One of our vision statements, part of our vision statement is that his word is our pattern for life. Verse 3 says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. So straight away, verse 4, we see, Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but for the interests of others. So right away we see that the Bible actually says that there is an importance to the way that you look at your own life and the way that you, you reflect on yourself. There is an importance to that, that the Word of God actually says that that is a part of who you are. And in this day and age, bringing balance into our world, into our relationships, into our serving God, into all that we do is absolutely vital. Loving ourselves enough to care for the needs of others. Amen? You know, we work in, obviously, we work with food care. And we work with people that are in need. But if anyone that works in, in an area of welfare, you've got to have some boundaries. We have a heart to serve those that are in need. But I tell you what, regularly you come up against people who simply have a completely another, another agenda. They're not, they're not being honest. In other words, they're scammers. True? <laughs> we have people that come to our welfare agency 
begging for everything, but they've been to every agency in the area and they sort of do they do it, they work it. You've got to work that out. There's 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 things that you can if you if you've got a heart to, to reach out to people, you've also got to know that there's got to be some some protection in what you're doing. Amen. If you're in a relationship where that person has convinced you that by loving them you've got to serve them with absolutely everything, there's got to be some boundaries in our lives that we build around ourselves to protect ourselves. Amen. The Bible actually says that there are interests of our own that we need to bring into account, but we are not to lose the sight of what the calling of God is on the church and on us as individuals to love our neighbor as ourselves. So healthy self-love, I believe, begins with an accurate view of who you are. And I'm going to read a psalm out that I love, Psalm 139. I'm actually not going to read it. I'm going to get someone else to read it because it's beautiful. Who's got a good reading voice? Someone who just... Where's Kieran? Come on, Kieran. Kieran should have been a radio. You're going to have to... Yeah, there's only one stairs. We haven't got the second stairs yet. You can do this, Kieran. Oh, With a deep, so it starts here, and it goes there, there, no, <laughs> just to there. But we start here. Oh, I'll give him the mic, yeah. But you know what? Number one, for us to understand who we are and how we love ourselves, first of all, I think we've got to get a, an understanding of how God loves us. Because the premise for this is that we are precious to God. So with the radio voice, I'm going to enjoy this. Psalm 139. God's perfect knowledge of man for the chief musician, a psalm of David. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You have hedged me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you. But the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. For you formed my inward parts you covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows you very well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth, your eyes saw my substance, being yet unformed. And in your book they were all written, the days fashioned for me when as yet there were none of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. 
If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. Depart from me, therefore, you bloodthirsty men, for they speak against you wickedly. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate them, O Lord, who hate you? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with perfect hatred. I count them as my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me into the way of everlasting. Thanks, Kieran. Beautiful. I think the first thing we need to understand is we are absolutely loved by God. God doesn't create us just to be servants for him that have no value to him, which means there's no interest in us or there should be no interest in ourselves. I'm not standing up here saying that the way is to completely expel everything the world says about, about us because you are important. You don't have a God that intimately knows you and, and created you and thought about you and, and knows your anxieties and knows your fears and numbers the, the hairs on your head. You don't have a God that has all that interest in you for you not to have some interest in the fact that God is interested in you but interested in yourself. Amen? You should be able to say in this place that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Amen? If that is a burden, to, if that is hard for you, if that actually comes as a challenge, then there is work to do on you. Amen? There is work to do within you to get yourself to that place where you see yourself the way God sees you because how God sees you is vital. Absolutely vital. And I think for some people to get to, to Psalm 139, to get to a place where they could say that of themselves can take years of getting over hurt and pain and what others have said about you and rebuilding yourself on an incredible foundation of God. Amen? I know Mona's in our, our grow nights. We're, we're talking about our, our grow nights midweek. A look, she's looking at a, a series around that for, for girls. Is that right? right? We're actually looking at launching a series around sexuality for guys with Jerry. We've got a course where about, you're about to hear about these things because these are in huge areas in us. Amen? Huge areas. And I think the pervading thought is how if we get polluted in our hearts and minds on how we see self, if we... We get ourselves this balance incorrect. We can allow ourselves to be dragged away to the, what the world wants. We were created by God and he paid attention to creating us. Amen? None of you were slapped together at the last minute. Sometimes it feels like that, especially when you get over 50 and you wake up in the morning and everything's creaking. It's like, wow, is that, is that the house? Is that, is that the floor? No, that's just my bones. There's not a, a cookie-cutter person in this room. 
You know, we're, we're all snowflakes. We're all different. Did the person say, you're a snowflake? Like I said, Luke 12, two, 7, so God says he's numbered the hairs on your head, and the old jokes are it gets easier for him as you get older if you're a male. Uh, we matter to God. God has a plan. Jeremiah 20, 11, we know these scriptures. A lot of us know these verses. He didn't just create us. He created us with purpose and plan. We're valuable to him. There's an interest in us. Ephesians 2, 10, we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. God desires fellowship with us. He created us not just to do something for him, but he created us to have relationship with them right back in the garden. The call of the evening, God went looking for Adam and he's still looking for you to meet him in relationship. We were created to be a part of that Trinitarian relationship, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and we're thrown into that family. We're his children. He's interested in what you say and think and when you talk to him and when you relate to him. So you're important. And also, we are temples of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God, the most precious Spirit of God, is housed in you. How could you think you're not special? So we actually need, from that perspective, there needs to be some interest in us and there needs to be some perspective of loving ourselves. As the Bible said, love your neighbors as you love yourself. And if you are completely unable to love yourself, there will be some dysfunction in you loving others. Come on. There will be some areas in our lives that will be tough. And of course, the Christian world has told us that the only way to truly, truly honor God is to sacrifice to the point of martyrdom. If you're a martyr, you kind of appointed to it. Does anyone in this room think they're going to be a martyr for Christ? Kind of, it's something that I think you have on your life, right? We're not all called to be martyrs. And everyone said, Amen. We're not the, the scum of the earth. That's not the humility God's looking for. It's incorrect. In John chapter 16, verse 33, it tells us, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. God tells us that our life is not going to be perfect. It's going to be challenges, but God loves us. He says that we can have peace. We can have peace within ourselves. Having this accurate view of humility comes in three ways. Number one, and some of these things we're going to touch over in the weeks. Number one is understanding our sinfulness and God's salvation. That's paramount. If you're a believer, understanding the difference between your sinful nature and God's Spirit in you and understanding the truth of your identity in Christ is Christ in you, not all you're wrong. Come on. The enemy would love to let you know every week that you are your sin. That's called condemnation. If you, if you buy into that, that's going to affect how you grow. Number two, Recognizing both our weaknesses and our strengths. Amen? Negative words travel far, very quickly. 
If someone says you could be in a room and five people could go, hey, you're looking good today. Hey, you're looking fantastic today. Hey, great smile. Gee, I like you. You're really awesome. And you might walk past one person who turns around and goes, gee, that looks really bad on you. What statement sticks in your head for the next 20 minutes? <laughs> True? You're thinking, what, why? Why does it look bad? How did it look bad? Why does it look bad to them? What, why? What did I do wrong? You know what I mean? We all know that. Is that true? Anyone else identify with that? One bad statement. Sometimes it takes 30 good ones to undo one bad statement. We know that. So recognizing both our weaknesses and our strengths. I love that we've done this with our leaders where you pull someone out, you put them on the stage, and you might even do this, and everyone stands up and just says something good that they see in that person. I've seen people come in, ears up, ears, eyes well up in tears because suddenly they just heard all these opinions that people about how beautiful they are and how kind of their nature and because we don't do enough of that. Amen? True? We don't do enough recognizing the good in our and the strengths and who we are. Quite often all we see is the bad. Number three, it means looking to God for our identity rather than judging our self-worth through comparisons. We live in a world of comparisons. We need to see the other side of the coin. When we battle ourselves, we battle God's creation. Come on. If you're attacking yourself day and night with self uh, low self-worth, if you're attacking your identity, you're attacking God's creation, God created you. Amen? God doesn't design, His Word isn't designed to attack. It does bring challenge, but it brings change, and it does not through encouragement. It does not through the Word of God has a challenge to us. We need to hear the, the voice of the enemy over the voice of God. So should Christians love themselves? Should we love ourselves? Yes. How can we deny that God, I mean, I know I used to say that for a while. You might have said it yourself that you were God's gift. I'm God's gift to Marianne. <laughs> She's God's gift to me. It doesn't need to be an attitude. Jerry? What's going on there? <laughs> yes, God loves us. And do you know what? We accept his love by loving ourselves. Come on. We're going to talk about some of these things. I think we accept God's love by loving ourselves. But there's a difference between that and becoming selfish. Come on. We see our flaws and submit them to him. You don't have to submit your flaws to everyone else. But if you're a believer, you need to submit your flaws to him because God's perfect love has a way of working with you. I think you get yourself in trouble if you submit your flaws to everyone else. We do not love ourselves at the expense of obeying God. Amen? That's what the world wants you to do. The world wants you to drag you over here where you become the priority, that obeying God becomes the second thing, but you become the priority. And loving yourself, when it becomes a choice of loving yourself versus obeying God, that you choose yourself. That's what the world wants. The Bible doesn't. God says we can live in a way where obeying Him 
There's a balance there, amen? We do not allow self-love to turn into self-focus, making a God of ourselves or placing our desires above all else. We do not indulge our sinful natures or dismiss other people because of self. Neither do we dismiss ourselves. There are some people who just essentially dismiss themselves for the sake of everyone else. That is not the right equation. Jesus came to give us life, John 10.10, 10, amen? He said, I come to give you life and life more abundantly. The enemy comes to, to steal and kill and destroy. I believe if we're not loving ourselves the way God wants us to, we're not fully accepting everything God's got for us. Come on. And so these are some of the things I want to I I get involved in and talking about. Because you know what? When we gather in community, self becomes the challenge. When you read the, the New Testament, when you read the books of the Bible, Philippians, Galatians, when you read these books, a lot of them are uh, people like Paul who are writing letters to churches to bring order and control and allow the church, the body, to function as one body. And a lot of it is dealing with issues of the self, of themselves, to allow God's Spirit to pervade. Amen? So what? just for a moment... I'm going to get the keyboardist up. That's Marcelo. Give Marcelo a hand. A very self-sacrificing person. He painted probably what? With Jeff Snowden. Painted a majority of this auditorium. Good. You know, I just, there are areas when, when it comes to us and God and it comes to ourselves and how we see ourselves that I think we've got to make sure that we keep the right perspective. There are whole areas of your life that can actually, you could open a door and, and allow wrong thinking. How you raise your children how you do your marriage, how you do relationship, how you do your finance, your work. If we allow the attitude of the world to creep into any of that, come into those areas of our life. I know there's people in this room right now and you are struggling to love others because you don't love yourself the way God wants you to. There are relationships, people that go from relationship to relationship because literally you need to rebuild yourself on, on how God sees you and how you need to love yourself effectively. Not the way the world says. Never forget the story of a young lady that worked for an airline and she was having marriage trouble and her husband was lightly connected to our church. And the airline sent her to the number one marriage counsellor in the secular world. Very expensive. And she went to this session and the, the lady, the counsellor said to her, she said, I've got a lot of experience because this woman's marriage was on the rocks 
was a challenge. And her opening line was, I've had three marriages. I've got experience. I proceeded to tell her how to dismantle her marriage and to make herself the most important person and protect herself. So the world will never see everything the way God sees it. Amen. The world will never see things the way God created us and how we fit in the equation. Believe it or not, Jesus looked after himself. Amen. He had his life in areas where, sure, there were times where the disciples would come and they'd say, Jesus, Jesus, the crowds are waiting for you. And Jesus literally just said, let them wait. Thousands of people waiting to hear him speak. He said, let them wait. He was with his father. He knew what he needed to do. He knew, he knew what self needed. He knew what balance there needed to be so that he could live this life. You've got to believe that God actually wants you to be happy. Amen? That God actually wants you to be whole and God wants you emotionally not to be running from one burnout to the next and, and for your life to be chaotic and in a mess and, and overwhelmed with things. There needs to be time for you. There needs to be time to allow yourself to live a healthy life. Amen? But not at the expense of making it all about you. So just for a moment in this place, we do this every week. I just want to talk to those that may be in this place. You're not 100% assured in your relationship with Christ. I want to start there. This morning, I think it's the beginning of everything. Jesus created you. And I, I love conveying the picture. The Word of God literally says it this way, that He loved you before you loved Him. So the idea is that He's gazing on you as if there's no one else in the world. He, he knows your every thought, your every word that leaves your lips, your every um, heart intention, your every thought you think you're having in quiet. He hears them all. He knows your anxieties. He knows your fears. He knows your tears. He knows everything about you and He gazes on you. And God has the capacity to gaze on every one of His creation. Whether they know Him or not, He gazes on them and He looks at them and He's staring at them like a loving parent when a child's asleep at night. He's gazing at you as if there's no one else and He's waiting for that day, that moment, that opportunity that people have in their lives where they one day turn around and they respond to His love and they receive the love. The love of God has always been poured out. It doesn't stop 24-7 for the unsaved and for the saved. It's no different except the only difference is that when you get saved, when you respond to God, you respond to that love and you open your life up to that love. That's what salvation is, amen? That's what salvation is. And if you have never felt that, if you've never had that in the depths of your soul, know that you know that you know that you know that you are loved by Jesus, that you are His child. I'm talking to you. If there's any doubt, if there's any doubt, when your friends are not around, when your, your family's not around, when you're by yourself because you're accountable for yourself, and when no one else is there, when you're in a 
place in your room by yourself, when you close your eyes, do you know that you know that you know that you're in a relationship with Jesus and you've responded to that love. You've responded and given your life to him. I'm talking to you. Every eye closed. Two people in this room. One, you're not sure. You need to respond to those piercing eyes of God that are staring at you with love, waiting for you to accept the sacrifice of Jesus dying on the cross for you, to accept Him as your Lord and Savior, accept His love. The second person is that person. You know what? You made a decision a while ago, but it's time to get serious. It's time to rededicate yourself afresh. Time to get serious. Stop mucking around, but allow your life to be built on this relationship, this decision that you made. And we call that a rededication. I'd love you to respond today as well. So what I'm going to do now, I'm going to pray a prayer. And everyone in this room, whether we've made a decision or not, we're going to pray this prayer together. And if you're making this for the first time, just pray this prayer with the sincerity of your heart. Let's do it together. Dear Lord Jesus, dear Lord Jesus, I accept you today as my personal Lord and Savior. I accept that you died on the cross for me. And right now, I ask for forgiveness of my sin. And today, I ask that you would replace it with your grace and your mercy. And I accept that today, I'm a child of God. I'm a Christian, which means Christ in me that my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Come into my heart, Jesus. Be my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Every eye closed, just for a moment. Every eye closed. If you prayed that prayer as a first time you felt it, from your heart, always a rededication. I want you just to, to lift your hand. Come on. Every eye closed. Just for privacy. Lift your hand. We're not going to bring you out the front. I'm going to get someone to have a chat with you afterwards. Just raise your hand. Lift your hand up. Great. One. Yep, over here. Over there. Over there. So our team are going to see you. Our team are all looking. Our new Christians team. One, two, three. Three hands. Anyone else? Great. Everyone look this way. Beautiful. Can I just pray for those people that raised their hands? There's three that you did. Can I just pray for you? Every eye closed. God, we just pray that you would seal this decision that's being made today. Seal it. Seal it with the stamp that they would know that they know that they are owned by you, God, that that's your, they are your children. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand.